Sporting Discussion, your podcast talking sports of all sorts. Back for another week, I am AJ Myth and joined by regular host Andrew Donison. Andrew, how are you this week? Tip top, AJ. We're almost allowed, no actually we are allowed to sit in the same room, but uh, circumstances are against us tonight as we record on, mm. I don't even know what day it is. It doesn't matter what I don't know. All that matters, no, ASD well, Stadium is having a deep clean, as they say in the classics. <laughs> Before, well, I haven't known before what day it is. Before it's safe to go back next week. For the last eight weeks. <laughs> well, once ASD Stadium is deep cleaned and prepared and completely safe, we will head back in there next week. I have every confidence that our people will have the job done. Excellent, excellent. All right. Oh, you, you talk about having every confidence in our people. What's your level of confidence in the various sporting codes that are trying to? to restart their seasons. Uh, confidence levels in the the NRL, the ARL, the Super Rugby and the Netball. Give I'll me be, a... NRL will give, get back. Yep. Um, AFL should get back, but, geez, they're making it hard on themselves. Um, and Super Netball will get back, I reckon. Um, the, the, big, the big issue for all of these sports is the training, is the pre-season, the prep. Yes, so they've done their, what would have been, three and a half months, four months of actual pre-season. And as we know, all uh, sports people now, they are trained to within an inch of, of their life and every, everything is written down, you know, minute by minute, that you know, they make sure that they are ready for that round one and then they have their tapering, whatever that may mean, and they mm-hmm. manage their load throughout the season. They haven't been able to do that for the past eight weeks because they're relying on players to, I guess, to train themselves. And whilst the majority of them will, actually, no, all of them will be doing the training required, they might not be, they're not having that game day um, sort of um, intensity on the weekends. And so will they be able to go straight from eight weeks of just training to bang straight back to game day intensity. Oh, the first few weeks of whatever sport goes back are going to be pretty hard to watch. But having mm. said all that, these people aren't like us, Andrew. They wouldn't see an opportunity to have a pizza and twelve <laughs> beers every second night because they're not supposed because they're not at training or exercising. They're supposed to be looking after themselves. Uh, what do you think? What do you, uh, is everyone going to get back? Everyone who wants to get back is going to get back. I think they'll get back. I am not as confident that any of them will finish a season, though. Why is that? You think there'll be cases and more lockdowns and, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We are entering the peak flu season in Australia. Yeah, and and whether that be someone within a club getting, uh, having the virus, or it being people within the, the community and therefore greater restrictions coming back into play. The reason that we're allowed to look forward to, to this now is because of the relaxing, you know. Yes, you can have 10 people training together in certain, I think in all states now, but it needs to obviously go to that next level and allow them to, to train as a, a big group and allow it to play but that might change if things in the community get worse. They'll go back to tougher restrictions and then all of a sudden you're done. The other one is 
which is what the AFL is facing at the moment, is the border uh, issues. So there were... Was it Western Australia and South Australia are still requiring people to do their 14-day quarantine when they go into those states. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. And so the AFL are trying to figure out and uh, Queensland have Queensland now require a flu certified flu shot before any athlete can participate in any sport. That's right. That's right. That's a, a government requirement rather than a league of any description requirement, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So you know there were there were things today where the uh, the WA Premier came out and said, well, why don't the other sixteen AFL clubs come and uh, come over to to WA and we'll you know do your quarantine and we'll all play here. Why are you you know you've been so so soft. <laughs> he and was not he was over. a lot less polite than that, Andrew. He and was I agree a lot with less one hundred percent. He said, uh, "Let me try to bring up the quote. It's a good one." And, all right. Ah, um, uh, where is it? Keep talking. Well, uh, keep talking for twenty seconds. Well, so I could, because the res- the response to that by the um, the relevant Victorian minister was was basically. Well, you you think that be, the the logistics and the cost involved in moving two clubs across the country is um, is not better than the logistics of moving and the cost involved in moving sixteen clubs and all of the related people. And he finished it with a yeah, nah, which I quite liked. Well, but, here's, the, here's the direct quote from Mark McGowan, right. West Australian Premier. It appears to me Victorian clubs aren't willing to leave their comfort zone and come over here, yet they expect our teams to go over there. It's a little bit rich and it seems to me they're a little bit pampered. And he's bang on, bang on. Yeah, whatever. Like the logistics and the economics of moving 16 clubs over there doesn't add up. Boo-hoo, just sim- do a hub. It's simple. They don't have any money. Well, yes, they do. Got, they they had six hundred million in the bank. They've got a six hundred million dollar loan. Yeah, they've got a Victorian government falling over themselves to give them money. Yeah, no, nah, I I just don't see how it is economically viable for for them to do that. And what they're looking at going with you know, put put some of them up in Queensland, um, up on some of the Gold Coast golf resorts is the the latest that's come out. So mm. they would. Enter quarantine hubs in in southeast Queensland, and the the biggest thing is now families would be allowed to to come in. Now, I can't remember if I said it on um, on the podcast last week or if it's just been on Triple R on on Monday mornings. But there's been a lot of talk about oh the hubs and what the AFL clubs might do, and it could be this, and the AFL could do that, and could do that, and could do that. The AFL didn't come out and say any of those things. They're not going now, to do whether, hubs. Well, they, they're certainly not going to do the initial suggestion of putting people, all the players in hubs for 20 weeks, not being able to see their, um, their families for that entire time. But the AFL never suggested that. It was just a random thing that filled some, some column inches for a few days. So there's there's 330 rooms at Royal Pines Golf Course. There's 290 at Palm Meadows Golf Course. And that will provide them the opportunity to have players, officials, family to, to be there. So that means that you'll – how long are they going to stay there? Who knows? Probably until one of the players catches the virus. <laughs> yeah, anyway, all of this is just 
scuttlebutt and scuffle, Andrew. It's they're not going to do hubs. They're all going to stay in their same states. They'll hang on a week and then they'll say, right, you got to come in. WA will probably relax their quarantine things overall, and so will South Australia, who are giving them grief as well. So, but what if they don't? Well, well, they will. That's the thing. No, no, no. But what if they don't? <laughs> if they don't, then the comp can't go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. That's simple Just as that. Call the it. AFL have said that that's well, they haven't said it, but it's an 11th of June supposed restart. Um, and you've got to tip your cap to the NRL here, who <laughs> said they were going to start on the 28th and then got to work bringing in an international team and interstate teams um, to get it all organised. The uh, just one small yeah, thing with the NRL. Clubs. One small thing with so, the NRL is that there's no draw. And there's no venues announced, so they might want to get yeah. moving on that. <laughs> a little issue. And there was but a yeah, story, see, an article today saying that the NRL may only announce like the first two weeks and then release the draw after that. So God knows what, what's going on there. It's all part of the big fight with Channel 9 and Fox over who gets what games and how much money that's worth to the NRL. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's going to be yeah, it's super interesting to see how it goes. And one of the, one of the things that I'm fascinated with and it's something that I um, threw out late this afternoon on social media was what restrictions will be put in place by the various uh, sporting associations so the K-League the uh, Korean soccer like um, top level soccer league they came back last week Friday night was their first match and they had the regular things like fans are not allowed to attend the match, players and coaching staff subject to temperature checks. Um, instead of pre-game handshakes, they've been asked to bow their heads. They've got if anyone gets infected during the season, the affected team and those who played against them have to take a two-week break. And I think that's going to be standard across all leagues. Players were, were advised to avoid celebrating goals with teammates. Mm. Now that's going to be difficult. Uh, I think that'll be that'll be surprisingly yeah. easy with no crowd. Oh, I mean, in the like in a football environment, like soccer environment, yeah. I just think that it's your initially at least your first reaction is to sort of you know, run get off like the, to the, run the, off the somewhere else. Well, actually, yeah, <laughs> true. So yeah, let them let them run off and go. Uh, jolly good. Good job. But the, then we'll the, all get the, into the chain rooms together and get changed within about 30 centimetres of each other. Yeah, and, and my favourite is players were advised to avoid talking. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So that's certainly something that can't be put in place into into other makes, sports. Makes like, the tactical imagine, game interesting. Could you imagine rugby league with no talking? <laughs> well, where's, <laughs> where's the dummy half going to throw the ball? Who knows? Rugby league would be a lot more interesting with no talking. <laughs> how bizarre. True. It's not going to happen, yeah. but how bizarre. I mean, is the ref going to yellow card someone if they yell or if they talk? How's mm. the ref going to communicate anything to anyone? Exactly right. You know, semaphore. <laughs> Mind you, they're three so, rounds into the season and everything seems to be okay. So there we yeah. go. So what do you what do you think are going to be some of the, the big changes that – that the various leagues will need to put in place. I don't think there'll be that many. Um, I know all the AFL players are being tested for COVID-19. I know all the NRL players are as well, and they have to get flu shots as well. The AFL have said they don't care if you get a flu shot or not. Um, Unless you've got a medical exemption like Bryce Cartwright. Um, The no crowds is a given. Um, Training will be fairly highly regimented. 
Um, it's just a yeah. I don't think Austra- in Australian sport there'll be that much there'll be that much difference. There won't be any stupid rules like don't don't tackle, don't talk, or anything like that because yeah. the nature of our games, even the netball, are um, rough and ready. Lots of banging around, well, lots of body contact. Close, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of lot of close contact, a lot of body contact. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we're probably lucky because of. Uh, the I guess the lack of of cases in, in Australia, so it's leagues around the the world which are going to be really interesting. So when does the EPL come back? The Bundesliga has been talking about trying to to get things back, and uh, does the NBA come back? That's you know, the the states is is a mess in certain parts. Mm. Um, so I, I think it, I'm fascinated by by how it will all. Um, pan out but yeah I, I think that the, the NRL was saying May 28 that's when we're doing it uh, it gave them something to aim for it gave the players certainty in that they go okay well we need to get back to our uh, our training base and gave the Melbourne Storm the opportunity to to figure out where they needed to be it gave the New Zealand Warriors the chance to come over to Australia and it gave the NRL time to, to figure out where the games are going to be and put together their, um, I can't remember what they call it, their biological warfare plan, basically. Um, but it's all just going to come down to whether a player contracts the virus. And as mm-hmm. soon as one does, then the whole season gets thrown into into disarray. Yeah, well, that's what we've got coming up against us, isn't it? That's It's going to be like that for this year and probably next year. Until yeah, there's yeah. a vaccine or a treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the one of the big changes uh, that is is being now I don't know whether it's been mooted or been confirmed in the NRL is the change to one official rather than two officials. So one referee for the game. Now yes, the, the absolutely ridiculous. Has nothing, that- nothing to do with coronavirus. It's um, one of the things that uh, the you know, ARLC, the Australian Rugby League Commission chair, Pete Vlandes, um, wanted to do because he's a traditionalist who yearns for the good old days of rugby league from the 80s and 90s where there was only one referee. Um, so he made it his mission to change the game to be one referee and all advice received from experts inside and outside of the game said, do not make this decision, and they went ahead and made the decision, and there's one referee from now on changed mid- mid-year. So, but, well, it's not really changing mid-year. It's changing after one round, well, isn't yeah, it? Two, two rounds. rounds. Like, yeah. But it's only been... But having said that, it's being changed with, what have we got, 12 days, 13 days until the very first game and teams have yeah. not been training for one referee because it allows teams that love wrestling, like the Melbourne Storm and a couple of other, the Roosters and the Raiders even, to just lie all on all over the ruck because the referee either has to place the ruck faster or he has to be over to make sure that they're onside within 10 metres, on outside 10 metres in the defensive line. So which one's he going to do? He can't do yeah. both. But they're also making another change, aren't they, in that the if there's... Uh, if there are too many too many penalties, they can um, give the attacking team six more tackles. No, no, no. It's um, if it's referee's discretion for a ruck yeah. in for a ruck infringement, they can either award a penalty, which is a shot for goal, kick for the sideline, or they can call six again and restart the tackle count. 
And is that this is that like the the wrestling and holding on too long in the tackle? Yeah. Is that are they the Foul sort of play in the that... ruck, let's call it. Yep. You know, okay. hands everywhere, stripping the ball, that sort of stuff. But the problem we have with that is that uh, we have teams who have no problem giving away penalties um, because it lets them set the defensive line and all that sort of thing. Referees call on whether they're going to be calling a full penalty or a six again. Some teams won't care giving away six again, six again, six again, particularly if it's down the other end of the field or if they're on their defensive line or something like that. They'll just give away a gratuitous penalty <laughs> that the referee yeah. has noted. But think of the pressure on that one referee now who has to make the call of, oh, well, this is a six again infringement or, oh, well, this is a – no, this is a full penalty. You can kick for two points or anything like that. It's it's just garbage. And the worst part of it was – Vlandy's put it as some sort of cash saving and the, the amounts splashed around said the NRL would save anywhere between 600 grand and $3 million <laughs> by making this change. And then they've come out today and said no full-time referees are going to be uh, without a job in 2020 because full-time referees are going to take on the touchline. So all savings okay. are kind of minimal now. Um, and it was all done just because the chairman yearns for the good old days that weren't actually... What they, what everyone thinks they are that that you well, love so much, Andrew. Oh yeah, yeah, it was better back in the nineties. But so two referees only came in for the two thousand and nine season, wasn't it? There was only one referee before that. Yeah, and the reason so it's for only been it ten in, years. The reason so for not bringing the... it in was because the uh, the game was too fast. The game is too yeah. fast for one referee to look after, and there's also. Um, uh, so many ruck infringements and the speed of the defensive line so fast that you needed a referee at either end. Now, the other thing is that um, they're saying that... Um, so this ref will be looking after that defensive line, looking after this the ruck as well, but um, mm-hmm. they're also going to be expected to look after everything else and keep up with the game as it's flying along. Um, so there you go. The, and, the, and the idea behind... The sale, the sell behind these changes was that it would speed the game up and let the game flow properly, which would make it even more difficult for one referee. Now, the Professional Referees Association—that's um, not their official title, but whatever they're called—they've yeah. lodged a fair work uh, claim against the yep. NRL because this change was done without consultation, allegedly, uh, <laughs> and so—and they've threatened to go on strike. So we'll see. We'll see how it all pans out. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw one more thing into that. If you're getting full-time field referees to run the sideline, how long until we get a, a bit of a power struggle between a sideline referee trying to overrule the field mm. referee because it's like, no, no, I saw this and I know <laughs> because it's like, no, no, you're just... You're well, just meant to be like we saw that in the grand we saw that in the grand final last year, um, but we've also mm. seen um, there, there's also talk of stripping back the bunker, the video review system, and all that. It's just it's so insane. Oh, it's just ridiculous <laughs> the decisions they're making in the NRL administration at the moment. We just we really need the games to start so all this bullshit can just go away. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, <laughs> I, I I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, so, AJ, I've got to go to uh, a question that we got on Twitter. Henning's headlines at NRW Henning. Yeah, Nick, Predictions Henning, re- Nick Henning is a good good author, that fellow. Some good books about baseball. He's working on one about the Balmain Tigers. 
Okay, so he's got a question about the World Baseball Classic, the uh, premier international baseball tournament. Predictions regarding when and if another WBC baseball will take place. COVID has exposed how thinly stretched many professional sports are. What are the biggest lessons discovered thus far? Can addressing these issues future-proof our sports? Huge, huge implications for um, for sports that aren't earning a truckload of money through broadcast fees. Mm. So, yeah, Which your is 99% of sport yeah. around the world. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And so cricket is uh, kind of okay, but only if they actually play because the Indian broadcast money is not going to be there if there's no games to broadcast. Um, baseball, how, in a, a world sense, how do you think that that's positioned to be able to, to come out of this unscathed? Obviously, the Australian League uh, is is very lucky because of the, the time. It's the off-season at the moment. Well, not, not really. Baseball around the world's hit pretty hard, actually. The Major League hasn't started and... Oh trying, yeah, no, no. I've been in Australia. We're good. Start up. Australia's yep. no, not good at all because uh, a lot of the teams, a uh, uh, quarter, maybe even half of their roster, may be made up of imports from overseas. Ah, uh, yes. Who would either have to come here and be in quarantine or not come here at all, uh, depending on the international travel. And that and the fil- latter that is likely to happen for a lot. That filters down to club um, baseball, which is where a lot of these imports play before they get into the ABL and a lot of imports who come out to try their wares and try to get into the ABL come and play club baseball. So yep. numbers there will be harsh. Players will have to go, Aussie players might have to go up into the ABL before they're ready, which also decimates the state leagues. Um, so it's not looking great. Plus, owners of the clubs aren't... Um, we don't know the financial status of all the owners of the ABL clubs and Baseball Australia itself because... They were hardly flush to begin with. Yeah. Now there's no money coming in from anywhere. Um, there's no broadcast deal or anything like that. So it's not uh, – they're, they're lucky right now that they're not in the middle of a season, but yeah. their problems are uh, a lot worse than a lot of other codes that are going that are out there. And I, and I guess that's the issue for all of those um, leagues that have the international players. So your, like your A-League, your NBL – even your big bash, um, everything might have to just become a domestic competition. Or if the international imports happened to stay in Australia, well, I think that was good on the them. Case. I think that was the case with a lot of the A League teams. Their import players stayed stayed okay. in Australia. But um, don't quote me on that. Um, the World Baseball Classic that Nick refers to was supposed to be in 2021. Um, it's like the World Cup of baseball, but it's been yep cancelled and supposed to come back in 2023. So it was cancelled because of COVID-19, but it's also because 2021, the Olympics have been uh, deferred from 2020. Uh, Of course. And baseball is in the Olympics, so there would be a few teams um, who were supposed to be in the World Baseball Classic who would be in the Olympics and vice versa. So that's why that's not there. Um, it's not a good. It's not a good time for a lot of people in any sport, really, around the world. Which leads me to another question that we got, Andrew. Fire and, away! Uh, it was on Facebook from Damien Smeaton, and this is because of the decision the AFL said, where AFL listed players are not allowed to play in state leagues like the VFL, SANFL, WAFL. 
He yep. asks, how will fringe AFL players stay fit without reserves footy? Will they expand the interchange? What do you reckon? I I think they should expand the interchange. Um, merely, initially for reasons of the, the players not having the, the formal training in the club over the past little while. So just to, to make sure that there's not a, a massive increase in their, the load that they take on and potentially hopefully reduce injuries that way. And there was a, a couple of players came out in the, the media and, and raised that as a concern of some coaches as well. I also think that, yeah, they need to do something because they're well, the, SA and FL has gone even further. They're not... They're not paying they anyone. Said there's no... Salary cap of zero. Well, yeah, not even that. There's no salary at all. So mm. it's not just the salary cap for the clubs. There's no the players, no coaches, no officials, no no anyone yeah. gets paid. And the only money they'll get is through JobKeeper, the um, yeah. federal government welfare. Been some talk about. There's been some talk about non-selected players going into a competition to play against each other, but I, I'd question the Jeez. value of doing that. How would you work that? Maybe they should play AFL X against each other. Ugh. <laughs> because there's only. <laughs> you no, wouldn't get fit. Got... You wouldn't get stay fit doing that. Though you just stand there and <laughs> kick it up and down. Oh, AFLX was awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you've got... It's a good question from Damien. Yeah, so look, I, I know in terms of numbers more about the, um, the AFL side of things than the others. About 40-odd on a list, 22 in a, a team. Mm. If you add two to the interchange, you account for five people being injured every week. You're basically down to 10 people, 10 to 15 players... So if they were going to do an inter-club competition, it would either need to be severely restricted or limited rules or you'd need to combine clubs. And I'm not really sure if the clubs would want that from a, a professionalism perspective. Yeah, I don't, um, think, I don't think it can work. So how do they keep fit? They just keep on training. They'd have to just train, train match practice with the rest of their team. Um, yeah. There's not really much else you can you can do unless they're going to play twelve aside, sixteen aside, mixed teams. Yeah. Geelong and yeah. Hawthorne play Footscray and whoever. And <laughs> well, it'll it'll be like the um, the days when they had the subs in the the AFL, where someone would come on, play the last fifteen minutes of the game, and then at the after the siren, all the players would be in the rooms, and the player that only played fifteen minutes would just be outrunning yeah. laps of the ground. Yeah, that was uh-huh. doing sprints up and down. Yeah. <laughs> um, another, so, we had another question, Andrew, or two. Yes. AFL related, okay. and then we'll, then we'll get off the AFL. Um, yep. From Sal Watson, and followed up by Steve O'Mara on the Facebook a Sporting Discussion, facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. Uh, mm-hmm. Sal asked, whatever happened to Tony Free, who used to play for Richmond? And oh, Steve O'Mara came along and said, and Paul Bullis, what happened with Paul Bullis? So I've been looking into this. Are you ready? I was going to say, Tony Free, he got into the Richmond Hall of Fame not too long ago. He did in 2019. Paul Bullis, I don't think would have. But there's so much more going on rather than just being in the Hall of Fame, Andrew. Tony Free, Captain Richmond. He only captained them for three three seasons. I thought he captained them for longer than that. But anyway, he was a director of the club in 2008. 
He was a okay. life member in 2013 and then in 2019 inducted into the Richmond Hall of Fame. Now, more importantly, he's currently sales manager at Egg Marketing Australia. And egg. Egg Marketing. Egg Marketing. Marketing eggs. Right. Egg eggs, they're good for you. And he's also the <laughs> general... <laughs> Just reminds me of the Simpsons. <laughs> no, no, it's not like that. <laughs> And general manager of athlete representation at Octagon Worldwide, who are a big, uh, uh, what are they called? Agent, player agent, uh, and representative Octagon. outfit. Octagon. Are they are they player agents for um, UFC fighters, or is Octagon merely? Just I don't a... know. What I do know is that one of their one of the people that Octagon represent is Steph Curry. So they're not doing oh, it wow. tough. Yes. <laughs> so Tony wow. Freeze involved there. So Sal. That one was for you. That's what Tony Free's up to. Now, Paul Bullis, who people might remember, I think, number 21, long-flowing ponytail. I remember the hair. Came from South Australia, um, played in the mid-'90s with uh, Richmond. Uh, he, When he finished playing AFL, he went to the Eastern Footy League in Melbourne and won premierships with Baldwin. Then he went home to South Australia. And right now, he's the commercial manager at Electronic Recycling Australia. Now, they offer commercial waste recycling solutions. So if you've got a business and you're listening in South Australia, if you need commercial waste recycling solutions, give Paul Bullis a call. Uh, so that's where he, and he he's a legend of South Australian footy. I didn't realise this, but he's in the Woodville, Woodville West Torrance uh, Hall of Fame. So okay. yeah, that one's for you, Steve. Uh, anyone else wants to know? <laughs> See, that's, that's want not, me to want just... me to stalk someone about uh, where they've ended up? Uh, let's go Twitter at what are we at ASD underscore radio or go Facebook dot com slash a sporting discussion. And it's not just sporting questions. No. Uh, Hey, let's 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 expand it even further. If you want to know anything about electronic recycling, <laughs> AJ will be able to find out and let you know. That's right. There's uh, new laws around Australia about recycling your electronics. You're not allowed to put them in the bin anymore. So there you go. Anyway, yeah. Let's move on to our next question. And Andrew, yes. this one is me to you. Okay. Should we be worried about the coverage, funding, and support in general of women's sport? in this whole COVID-19 situation. Are you concerned? Oh, I'm as concerned as I always am. Mm. It's a, and hey, look, you know, what have we spoken about thus far in this podcast uh, today? So it's certainly, um, yeah, huge, huge issue. And you you look at AFLW, one of the the first things when all of this um, COVID stuff started happening was, People going, oh well, there's got to be cost savings, and there was an immediate assumption from a, you know, a certain portion of people mm. saying, oh well, that'll be AFLW gone. Mm. A like, lot of uh, there's a fair bit of talk under the coronavirus umbrella that uh, things like NRLW, AFLW would get scrubbed because their cost they cost too much rather than the yeah. benefits that they've got. The the good thing is with the AFL, I'm pretty sure. I um, I was reading a while ago that they understand the economic benefit of having the, the AFLW. It's much, much, much bigger than just the eight to ten weeks of the actual competition itself. Oh, like, yeah. they, they are it's, – it's a positive financial investment. As much as morons want to go on and, and say that it's not and, you know, you've got to um, – 
you should get paid when you can bring crowds through the gate and rah, 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 rah. There's mm. a much, much bigger game at play there. The NRLW is one which um, is... Because that was... They actually... that They were impacted, um, weren't they? There was... Oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get this right, but I'm pretty sure that this year the series was going to be held with two less teams than it was last year. Um, so there were already some, some issues there. But 100%. Uh, women's sport's always been underfunded in Australia and, and worldwide. Yeah, the and um, NRLW are in big trouble for this season because the New Zealand Warriors already came out and said, well, we're not going to do it. We can't afford it. And yep. uh, the Sydney Roosters did exactly the same. They said, oh, this is this is a cost we can't carry anymore. But and was that pre-COVID? No, that was about a week in. <laughs> okay. Yep. But um, last year the Sydney Roosters had come out already and complained that uh, their NRLW team was costing them too much and they were saying the NRL needs to take this cost off our hands and pay for all the NRLW stuff. So it's uh, it's not good. It's a... Uh, if you if that's the way you're looking at your uh, women's teams as just numbers you need to get off the books, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, oh, exactly right. You know, as you said, the it's a it's a it's much bigger than just the the dollars from watching the game. Like there is a huge social benefit, there's a huge economic benefit, and they can't they can't just let the teams um, die mm. and and those. Um, Oh, it sets, and it would set, and associations. set sports back years, years and years. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mm. Um, uh, and I guess, yeah, the, so the, did the W League this year, that, that got to a conclusion, didn't it? Yeah. Um, they did have the, cool. uh, the grand final. Yes. I think Sydney FC won like their... What was it? Fourth in a row, or that's fourth right. The last no, six? was it Melbourne City? Or was it Melbourne City? Melbourne City sorry. beat Sydney FC. That's right. Yes. Um, and there's more talk about what's going on with the W League as well. Oh well, just can it? You know, as if it's you just can it because you can save money. But it's such the wrong way of thinking about all this. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. It's yeah, but it's going to take. It just takes strong leadership from each of the association or the leagues, which I think they do have, to just cut through all of the bullshit that gets talked about. And it's not necessarily even in the... like Some of it's in the media, but the majority of it is just people with no idea mm. of what they're talking about. Oh, yeah. But every, everyone's got a platform now, AJ. We've got a platform. <laughs> we, and, we hey, there's got to be... There's got to be people who listen to us just going, these guys have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. That'd be right in a lot of occasions. I expect that pretty much every week. Yeah, I expect it every time I open my mouth. <laughs> but it's just going to take strong administration for these leagues to say, no, 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 we we need mm. to, to maintain the, the women's leagues. So That's it's right. Just, it's a no-brainer. Absolute no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, and government needs to come to the party as well. Mm. Well, it sounds like that's happening, but more announcements are coming to that, I'm sure. Now, on to the next one, Andrew. We've got quite a few questions we need to rip through. Now, this one is from, or more of a statement from our mates at the starting block. 
podcast, ah, yes. Damo and Greeno. Uh, now that we know the Rugby League chairman will make changes based on fan opinion, because that's what Pete Vlandes has said the one referee thing is from, he says, we did a survey and people were adamant that well, they wanted one referee, but no one's actually seen a survey that says that the fans want one referee. <laughs> um, did you did you see did you respond to a survey that asked you any questions about your <laughs> thoughts on referees, AJ? No, not about referees. I haven't checked. Been, I went last. I, I, went, say, is it, I went and checked. Is it just that it hasn't been released? No, or? It, or apparently not. But he's saying that um, he was saying that the fans were strong on this, and so he's going to do it. But in last year's NRL survey. They said they wanted three standalone women's state of origins, and they said they want a new team in Perth. But he's gone; he's conspicuously silent on that because he doesn't want to do either of them. But anyway, we're we're off track. We're, we're, um, anyway, starting block. Now that we know that the NRL will make changes based on fan opinions, what way can us fans stuff up the game over the next twelve months? I think most. <laughs> <laughs> now they've said I think most fans would like a wild card five minutes where you can bring on a fourteenth player for five minutes at any time of the game. Hey, why not? What's the, one referee should be able to look after an extra player on the field for five minutes at some point? That's I, um, I. You know what? I genuinely like that for a um, a preseason big bash <laughs> style power play. I'm a <laughs> uh, what I about, love it. They're going to listen to us. Know, yeah. Oh, well, they have to listen to us. Peter said so. <laughs> it's uh, a hell of a precedent. Nominating nominating a, uh, a a bonus player. So if they score a try, it's worth seven points instead of four <laughs> points. Oh yeah. Seven just to make it interesting. You don't want to. Yeah. You don't want to throw it, it out. Eliminates there. the tie. Wow. No, but it also encourages field goals. That's true. I like. Um, Unless it's by the nominated person, because then a field goal will be worth two points. Oh yeah, I like. <laughs> I like the idea of letting fans design the jerseys for each week. Oh, there's been well for years. There's been some really good cro- like crossover type jerseys mm. that yeah, people on social media. I don't want to see. I don't want to see good crossover jerseys. Oh right. <laughs> you want to see? I want to see uh, little Billy with his crayons in grade three. <laughs> Scribbling something together, and I think you'd look really good in this Cronulla Sharks. <laughs> you want to see the um, the the what what led Powell Motors to to ruin in the Simpsons with the uh, <laughs> the car that Homer the built. Homer the, um... yeah. <laughs> oh man! All right, I got another one. What? Oh, hang on! No, I want to ask you what? Um, yeah. Give me give me one more um, outrageous suggestion that. You can get a, a hashtag behind that the the Peter Volandis will then have obviously have to do. Um, I've got one. No crossbar. Oh, okay. No crossbar, and you don't have to drop kick a field goal. Right. You can soccer it off the ground. You can kick it the drop punt, but that's all one point. If you kick it with a drop kick, five points. Right, geez, five points. You got to... So you okay. can bust, you can bust down the field, make a break. No one's around you. Just stop in front of the post and knock over a field goal with a drop kick. Five points instead of four. The fans yeah, want it, Andrew. The but, fans but want it. The fans do want it. What the fans don't realise is that then you're missing out the uh, the conversion. So you would have got six points. Oh no, you still get two um, for conversion. But you can't convert after you kicked a field goal. No, that's true. 
But yeah. the fans, hey, the fans want it. Usually. Hey, yeah, on, we've never yeah. said it needs to be well thought through. I'm not arguing Point with the fans. Is, I'm just saying what they what, want. What? Don't shoot the messenger. Hey, man, I heard this on, I, I read it on Twitter. <laughs> you're you're all going to read it on Twitter soon. <laughs> Mine is every week only one of the teams is allowed to have the coaching staff at the stadium. <laughs> some, so, teams would, some teams would do better with that. Some teams may do better. And some is that decided may, by, may twin, by coin toss? Uh, it is decided by random number generator. Um, Ooh, like on, the meat raffle at the pub. Yes. All right. Uh, and then it's high, live, high or low? Live Saturday morning. No, sorry. Live uh, broadcast 30 minutes before the match. So <laughs> the, the coaches will be in the room giving the rev up 30 minutes before the match. They'll go out into the middle of the field where the 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 little dude who brings the uh, the tee for the kicker to kick the ball off, he will press a big button and whoever gets the highest number in the random number generator, they get to keep their coaches for the day and the others get escorted from the stadium immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> escorted so, from the stadium immediately. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so there you go. The fans want it, AJ. And Peter Valenti hey, says what the true. fans want, the fans get. What the fans want, the fans get. I think that's a good good 12 months for rugby league at least. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly boy. right. All right, give me another one. All right, we got one from our very good friend and the first ever co-host on a sporting discussion, Stu McLennan. Um, mm. He put this through face, uh, Facebook. Should rugby union start again and go back to grassroots by focusing on Shoot Shield and the other equivalents, Shoot Shield being the New South Wales uh, state comp? Yes. Um, now, I'm going to probably get some of this wrong, but with the broadcast, wasn't there a um, wasn't there a, a possibility a while ago of the Shoot Shield having a broadcaster and the Super Rugby not having a broadcaster in Australia? I'm positive that that was. Um, that that was what was going to happen because the a couple of guys a few years ago just made it their mission to to ramp up. I'm positive it's the the shoot shield, mm. um, and oh, I I 100 think that what I there need, needs whatever happens, it needs to be shown on TV. It just has to be shown. I don't care how much of uh, uh, how many um, how few cameras they might have how amateur the commentary might be, I think it's just super important to have visibility of every level. So you've got your professional level and then your semi-professional level, the, the level below that. Like it's, mm. I think it's just, yeah, super important. And they need, yeah, 100% they should um, put a lot of thought into the shoot shield. Yeah, I Your disagree. Thoughts? I disagree. Um. Rugby can't go back to grassroots because there isn't a lot of grassroots there. Um, they need to focus on the super teams or the Australian competition that they're talking about doing with the Perth, um, with Western Force coming in. Yep. Um, the Focusing on the shoot shield and equivalents would only entrench um, the private school uh, feed <laughs> that they've got, talent feed that comes through there. Um, 
They need yeah, to you've find. Got to get, you've got to get people coming through from somewhere. Yeah, but they need to find a way to expand that. If they're focusing on the shoot shield and equivalents, they'd need to work out how to make them more general, um, which would upset a lot of uh, popped collars at the polo. Um, they need to find a way to get different teams, different areas, different organisations involved. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I do agree in the end, but by focus when Stewart says by focusing on the stu- on shoot shield. I would focus on it by having to blow it up and start again. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not sure if it's necessarily focusing on it at the exclusion of all others. Um, but I definitely like, grassroots. Get it on TV. Get it visible. That's the only way that you're going to get people from outside. Like let's let's go with the the rugby union and the the private school. Um, side of things. The only way you're going to get it away from being just a private school game is to get kids watching it before they hit their schooling pathway, mm. and they go, "Yep, I want to, I want to go and play." Like my my nephew, he was playing or training with the I think the oh, Harlequins, maybe one of the, um, mm. the junior clubs in in Victoria. Massive, massive problem there is. One week they'd be playing at uh, Chadston in the southeast, and the next week they'd be playing in Altona in the the mm-hmm. west. Like so, it's a significant uh, burden on parents to be able to take the kids around there. Mm. And in New South Wales and Queensland, you would uh, assume that there are a lot more kids that wanted to play. Therefore, it's a little bit easier than it is in Melbourne. But get it on TV, get kids watching it, get kids interested in playing. And the only way to do that is visibility. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You cannot be what you cannot see. <laughs> yeah, it's also true. Yeah. Um, all right, well, that's that takes care of rugby union. We've solved that problem. Yeah, uh, right. Next. I've got, an, I've got another one for you, and then we've got a couple more just to wrap up So because we're all almost right. done. Is it another problem that I need to solve? Because I want to roll. I want to roll with televising every single uh, game of junior rugby union and <laughs> my way of fixing the NRL with only one side with all of that, coach and stuff. With all of that broadcast money that everyone's flush with right now. Yeah, um, exactly. Yep, yep. So tick, speaking of two Speaking of broadcast cash, Andrew, my question to you, mm. with all of this COVID, everything off, everyone losing money, et cetera, et cetera, what happens to the NBL and the coverage that it gets as in it's on Fox Sports, it's on SBS as well, but that is funded by the league owner, Larry Kesselman, who pays for the whole thing. Outlay, my response outlays, was going to... Outlays millions yeah. of dollars for that to happen. Yeah, so, my response was going to be, how much money does Larry Kesselman have? <laughs> I don't like think that's... he's struggling, but I don't. But again, I don't know the current situation and we don't know whether production costs are going to go up with... Uh, television stations we don't know whether sbs will say look we can't do this anymore we're going to have to cut this channel what do you yeah. they've already said that um players are going to take a 50 percent pay cut i think it is for next season uh bryce cotton and a couple of other big imports have already said well i'm out if that's the way um players are allowed to opt out in, imports are allowed to opt out of their contract anyone's allowed to opt out of their contract and a few players have so i don't know what is it too early to ask this question or what do you reckon so I think basketball, is, the sport, is in a much better position than a lot of other sports to be able to come through in a broadcast sense because 
it it feels as though it is an easier sport to to broadcast if you need to cut costs and reduce the um, your overall dollars. You can if you get the cameras in the right spots. If you have a good producer who is able to to make sure that everyone can see what's going on, you can call the the NBL and they probably already do this from a central bunker. You don't actually need to to jet all of your people around the um, around the country to call, so you can save money that way. Um, I think that at the moment, does the NBL rely significantly on broadcast revenue? It doesn't and have any. If, no. So the question then becomes is it all just Larry's money? Because if it's just Larry's money, then that you can't rely on that. Well, there's also sponsorship he... and such, but sponsors are yeah. going out ass backwards, left, right and centre for all sports, not just the NBL. Um, yeah. It's going to be – it'll be years before um, uh, the full range of sponsors. I mean, Virgin are gone. Some other big organisations are going to be gone or they're going to be reviewing their where they put their money. Um, yeah. It's... It's got to have an impact on. Is it the NBL one? The um, yeah, sort state, of the, state the lower league, tier, so state league competition mm. that they you know sort of been uh, initiating and had been had been actually working quite well. Mm. So I, I guess the the question becomes: Where is the current money coming from, and how impacted will those people be? We know that there's going to be less money floating around, mm. but is it? Is it a matter that the where the NBL gets their money from currently won't be impacted? Therefore, they'll be one hundred percent fine. Mm. Who knows? I, I certainly think that they will be able to um, to endure a leaner broadcast than than other um, other sports can. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess they can. But how much how much money does that save? Who knows? Well, who knows? We don't know. Yeah. No. But I look. I think that they've got someone who is super super invested in this, both in a um, monetary and non monetary way. Mm. And look, last two years or last year, getting the um, some potential NBA draftees to come and play was was amazing. Whether they'll be able to do that next year, unlikely. Uh, whether they'll be able to do that the following year, more likely. So that well, that's not that's not exposure. looking good at the moment because the D League over in the states uh, is now offering half a million dollars US to players who don't want to go to college um, ah. to play in the NBA's D League. So right, well, uh, we can't we can't afford that. Yeah, hundred K Aussie, which is about sixty grand, sixty five grand US versus stay in the States and get half a million dollars. Uh, <laughs> that's not <Yeah>. looking good <laughs> for the next, so next I, stars. I, I wonder then what it means for ownership of clubs and then how that then links to the salary cap. Mm. Because if there's, if there's no money, uh, there's no broadcast money, then there's no money going to the clubs and there's no money going to the players. Yeah. All right? And then there's no league. Could, <laughs> and then there's no league. Could we see an English Premier League situation happen where some wealthy investors come and take over 
the Sydney, the Melbourne, the Brisbane and the Perth teams and put a truckload of money into them from their personal wealth. Mm. And It'll then we have, have to a, be that way. It'll have to be that way. Yeah, but then you've got to be careful that you maintain a salary cap. Otherwise, you will end up with an extremely uneven comp. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I haven't. I'm sorry, I haven't solved the NBL's mm. problems. I feel as though no, I've look, failed. We've got, we've got time. I'm the NBL isn't supposed to start till September, October, I think. All right. Yeah. Last okay. questions. Um, we'll make this happen yep. pretty quick. Now, the first right, one. Far away. First one's a quick one, and it's from Simon Carolyn uh, via the Facebook forum. Uh, who was bigger, Michael Jackson, Mike Tyson, or Michael Jordan? Michael Jackson. Yes, I agree. Michael Jackson. Without there a you go, Simon. Without Michael Jackson. It was Michael Jackson without a shadow of a doubt. And the last question, Andrew. I've got to say, I think if you hadn't left Michael Jackson out and had have said Jordan versus Tyson. It's Jordan. It's Jordan, day. but it's closer. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Jackson's miles. Okay, Michael Jackson beats nearly everyone. He beats nearly everyone. All right, last question. Uh, from Stu Thomas on facebook.com slash sporting discussion. Is The Last Dance the greatest sports documentary ever made? Now, this is the 97 yeah. Chicago Bulls documentary on Netflix in Australia, ESPN, everywhere else that uh, people um, have been watching and raving about. What do you say, Andrew? Well, so I've watched the first, I think I watched the first four episodes Mm-hmm. I fell asleep during one of them, so I haven't seen all of them, and then I haven't bothered going back to watch the. Do you the think next you ones. need to be an NBA head or a, a, a what's a thirty, forty year old person to enjoy it because it's the late nineties? I, I think to call it the greatest sports documentary of all time, you need to be late thirties and over, mm. because I think you need to. Millennials have, aren't watching this. Going, this is just blowing my mind. How great it is. No, because they don't have the nostalgia side to it as well. Mm. Um, you know how everything was better in the nineties. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I, so I found what I found really interesting was the talk about the actual games, the season. Mm. Um, the you know I wanted the relationship between um, Jordan and, and Rodman. Like there was a probably only a three to four minute bit where there was a really interesting thing about how they would. What 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 one needed the other, what Jordan needed Rodman to do and yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah. I so you like the tactics, the tactics yeah. of the gameplay. I did yeah. the the backstory, dear God, that that's where I fell asleep in Too one much of the talky talky for you? A little bit too much. Like I think that What do you think of the narr- narrative flow of skipping backwards and forwards through the decades? Oh no, I hated it. <laughs> Absolutely oh, really? hated A lot it. of yeah. people have had a visceral reaction to that, so that's really strange to me because it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> but I just don't – I thought that a lot of it was unnecessary. Yeah, that's – yeah, well. Like, I don't care. This, from my perspective, <laughs> I don't – Actually, you're the perfect person to answer this because you're not an, an NBA baby who grew up with Michael Jordan and all of that. No, no. I I recall watching – I don't know if it was – Game seven of the but the one where he the one one where he hit a buzzer beater to win the the final game of the 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 World Series. Yeah, um, <laughs> I reckon it was must have been ninety seven because I was at um, I was at university at the time, so it had to be the ninety seven one. What was that? That was against um, against Cleveland in I think it was ninety three, 
And anyway, it doesn't matter. It wasn't the championship. It was a division round. Okay. Yep. See, you're right. I'm definitely the right person <laughs> because I wasn't an NBA head. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated in uh, champion sports people. I want to hear their story. I want to hear what motivates them. I I want to know the tactics of the season. And, you know, like I was fascinated that they were thinking of breaking the team up before that season and they spent mm. the time going, well, like, how are we going to get rid of uh, all these players and rebuild, blah, blah, blah. That's big in American sports, blowing stuff up. But you don't blow stuff up when you're, you're two, uh, two championships in a row. You have, yeah. a, you have a crack at a third, surely. <laughs> and then even if you don't win, if you come close, go, oh, well, let's, let's have another one. Yeah. But so, your answer one... To, so your answer to Stu is that it's a oh, pretty, it's a no, pretty it's obvious no. No, it's not the greatest sports documentary ever made. No, God no, and I haven't even gone into the fact that I don't care about this bit. By the way, I haven't even gone into the fact that Michael Jordan, um, his company, or is one of the executive producers. I was reading about that, but they mm. don't get uh, they don't get credited, so it's going to paint a good picture. <laughs> but nah, well, well, no, I, they're pretty open about stuff. Yeah, it's pretty open. Anyway, but I, but, I, I will say my answer. To Stu is that it's not even close to the best sports documentary ever made. Um, But it's definitely the most recent. It's definitely the most recent (laughs) and it's definitely got the best PR. And a lot of people loved Michael Jordan. He was an icon growing up and they wanna they wanna have that endorsed with the great what's the greatest sports documentary you've ever seen? You haven't seen it yet? No, I I don't wanna I don't wanna say I don't wanna rank I I like I like them all, but um, no, mine's a Mine's a NAF one. Which one, one about would you the buy on, which one would you buy on DVD? <laughs> oh, um, the oh, what's the cricket one? The um, Australia West Indies nineteen sixty sixty one series. Um, Fire in Babylon is that what it's called? Oh yeah, I think that that was on the ABC, was it not? Yeah. Yep. So that's you, Fire um, in Babylon. That one, and also there was one. Uh, which was, yeah, so Fire in Babylon um, was, no, sorry, it wasn't Fire in Babylon. That was about the West Indies team of the 70s and 80s. <laughs> Whatever the one was about the um, Australia-West Indies series in uh, with the, the Tide Test and all mm-hmm. that, um, and also the 1989 AFL Grand Final, there was a behind-the-scenes Hawthorne-related one. Okay. Yeah. All right, actually, we'll, we'll come back to the 1989 thing in the next episode because I've got to... Got a theory about that. Uh, the best sports documentary ever made, Andrew, is from 2008 and it's called Thriller in Manila. It's about the third, oh, yeah. the third fight between Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali and um, it uh, it doesn't bow to Ali like every other documentary out there does. It tells you this. Okay. It tells you the real story of what was going on between those two guys and how Ali used the press to make some pretty ordinary racial slurs against Frazier. And uh, the talk about uh, the fight uh, itself is incredible as well. Um, you, okay. can, you can watch it on SBS On Demand, Thriller in Manila. It's, it's Thriller in Manila. It, right. it takes and, the Jordan documentary and slam dunks it, Andrew. Oh, get yeah. it? That's a basketball thing. Isn't it? It's, <laughs> a, K, it's a KO, a TKO. <laughs> um, do you know how long it took me to – Link K-O, K-A-Y-O with K-O. Oh, really? 
Yeah. It actually wasn't even me. It, someone said it to me. They've gone, oh, like a, like a KO, like a knockout. I'm like, no, not – oh, yeah. Yeah, like a knockout. <laughs> uh, Calypso Summer is the one that I'm Oh, Calypso of. Summer. 1960, okay. 61, Australia versus West Indies. Okay. That one's – yeah, that's the best that I have seen. One thing that I do like about this is the, the Last Dance is that everyone from our era – We'll mm-hmm. say that Jordan is the best player to ever play. Mm. And then you've got the Kobe fans and then you've got the LeBron fans. Yeah. And from what I have been reading, this has confirmed in a lot of the Jordan fans that he is the best. Yeah. And it has made fans of the others go, oh, right. Now I see why you're saying that he was the best. Whether yeah. they changed their mind or not, don't know, but... It's not just old blokes saying it was better in my day. Mm. He was the best. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And the, the skills are on display are incredible. All right. That's yeah. long enough for tonight, Andrew. We're going to wrap it up. Um, tell us where we can right. find you next week. Out of my house. Woo! <laughs> um, <laughs> so, next week, uh, Monday morning, 7.15 a.m. on the Breakfasters. I might have some... I actually know there there was some live sport to talk about last Monday. I got to talk about the K League. So this week, I don't think there's any additional live sport. But my lord, as you would know as well, it is difficult to to, to talk about sport when there's no sport being played without repeating yourself. But <laughs> doing my very best. It's the um, truth. So when's that? What time and what station? One hundred two point seven three triple R FM in Melbourne, Monday morning seven fifteen AM, or on. Um, on demand on the Triple R website. AJ, we can read you and listen to you. Yes, on the raw.com. Uh, got a rugby league column there. Got, might have a bit to say this Monday. Yes, it's out on Mondays. Um, and then also on Monday mornings. Are you, are you gonna, yeah. Are you going to be rehashing some of the, the vitriol spewed forth about one referee? In your in your no, column, it's, it's been done. I've got something else, but I'm, I'm sitting on it right now. But I'll be back. It'll it'll come out. Um, uh, you can read me on the raw.com on Mondays. You can hear me on ABC Central Victoria, quarter past nine, uh, doing a sports talk with Fiona Parker on the morning show, um, and then we'll be recording another show next week, Andrew. We will, and we are also ramping up the uh, Sporting Discussion website, AJ. You've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes on that. Yes, I'm looking at it right now. It looks beautiful. It looks fantastic, and uh, we're filling it with nice, fresh content and uh, a new new coat of paint. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. It's uh, sportingdiscussion.com.au. Get there for... Uh, check out the shows, check out some pieces that uh, people have written. We've got some great writers doing stuff for us, which is really, really good. Uh, we'll be putting some stuff there ourselves as well. And uh, so check it a lot. Check it out, uh, sportingdiscussion.com.au. But don't forget, we need questions, we need comments, we need engagement. That's the at ASD yes. underscore radio on the Twitter or facebook.com slash sportingdiscussion. When you go to Facebook, join the uh, join the forum Ripping along today, the uh, Sporting Discussion Forum. Lots of people having a chat about the big sporting issues of the day. Yeah, it's the the, the place to be. It's what we want as well. We want people to, to throw questions our way, whether it be hypotheticals, whether it be unanswerable questions, whether yeah. you want to talk, ask me a question about the, the final episode of Survivor Winners at War. I'm just about to mm-hmm. watch the last 20 minutes of that. I 
haven't seen the uh, the winner, but I'm very, very excited. It's one of the very best seasons of Survivor ever. So. <laughs> right, lovely. On that note, we'll leave you. Thanks, for, <laughs> thanks very much, Andrew. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, AJ.